Uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever prank called somebody? Put your hand up if you've ever prank called somebody in your life as a kid, as an adult. This week, you prank called somebody. You called them. Maybe it was someone that you knew or maybe it was someone you didn't know at all, a complete stranger, and you tried to disguise your voice and pass yourself off as someone else, right? Maybe you called and you're like, hello, is Mr. Wall there? And they're like, no, no, Mr. Wall. Oh, no, Mrs. Wall. Are there any walls there? And then you're like, ha, ha, you better run because there's no walls and the roof's about to call, you know, whatever, you know, all those. Is your fridge running? You better go catch it, all that fun stuff, right? Prank, I used to get prank calls a few years ago, and these people were always calling me trying to order pizza from me. And I don't know why, but, but these voices sounded kind of familiar. They were really young-sounding voices, and they had these really strange accents I could never place where they were from, always trying to order pizza from me. And, and the funniest thing is that they were always calling from my wife's phone number. <laughs> and, and I used to get these prank calls all the time, right? But I, I, you can recognize the voice. Now, some of you ladies, you answer the phone and your voice is so sweet and young sounding. Have you ever had someone call you and ask if your parents were home? And you're like, I'm a grown, I have a mortgage. I just, you know, maybe now you're like, oh, that's so sweet. I just love that. You know, thank you. You know, that doesn't go over so well for middle school boys. I was a youth pastor for many years, and I used to always call this one family, and without fail, every single time, they would answer the phone, and I would go, hello, Katrina? And they would go, no, no, this is Jonathan. And I'd be like, oh, every single time. John Fleming, every time. I have my friends, they know John Fleming every single time, and I would always be like, oh. You know, luckily, he hit puberty, and his voice changed, and never had that, that you know, puberty, that was a whole other dimension, right? Like, like one day you're, a, you know, a prepubescent boy with this high voice, you know, and then the next day you sound like a man. It just happens overnight. I remember one time answering the phone, and uh, my, dad's a, uh, my dad's a pastor. You should know that. Uh, because I answered this phone as a 13 or 14-year-old boy, and this lady says, oh, hello, pastor. And before I could, you know, say, no, it's not, not, she just started unloading her soul, like telling all the deepest, intimate parts of her heart to the pouring it out to the pastor, you know, would you pray for me? This is what I'm going through. And I was kind of like, how do I tell her, you know, that I'm 13 years old? I don't know. <laughs> you know, so it seemed like hours, you know, had to be at least five minutes, you know, of her just unloading to the pastor. And finally, I kind of was like interjected, like, well, I'd be happy to take your number and let my dad know you called, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it can be confusing. You know, there's other voices that are iconic, right? You don't need call display to know who it is. Like the moment you hear that voice, you're like, I know who that is. Maybe you're like out and you're in the coffee shop and you hear a song and you go, I, I know that voice, right? You watch a movie and, and you don't even have to see the actor. You know that iconic voice. I, I thought we could play a little game today. This is called Name the Famous Voice. And so I'm going to play you a clip of a voice, and you got to tell me whose voice it is, okay? So, Danny, would you help me out? Here we go. Voice number one. And I got a call in that class from a guy at uh, the local station, CBS, and he'd been calling me several times when I was working. You're right. It is Oprah. Very good. All right. Here we go. Voice number two. 
This is one of my favorite voices of all time. I think this voice is iconic. Those of us who are in that movie, uh, I couldn't tell you, Tim couldn't tell you, Frank Darabont couldn't tell you why. If I ever had a biography written about my life, I would want Morgan Freeman to narrate it for me. That would be really awesome. Morgan Freeman. All right, here we go. Voice number three. This one might be a bit more challenging. See? Some of the things I say I've been doing here, whether it's you know in the built environment or community planning or... Um... I think it says... Prince Charles, now King Charles. Very good. And uh, one more iconic voice. Let's see if you know this one. You're, you're three for three so far. When it comes to uh, our foreign policy, that it is the United States of America, uh, not the divided states. You're right, Barack Obama. So some iconic voices, right? You don't even have to know, uh, see them, you know who it is. Well, last week we kicked off a series, and uh, in this series, we, uh, we titled the series after two words spoken by Jesus, and these words appear 13 times in Scripture uh, in various forms, and uh, they're often extended as an invitation uh, to the people who are having conversations with Jesus. Uh, these two words that Jesus expresses as an invitation to us today are these two words, follow me, follow me. And this is what the idea of this series is that every invitation of Jesus to follow him comes with a confrontation within ourselves of whether we'll take him up on it or not. Last week we kicked off this series and we looked at one of the, what I think is one of the saddest stories of scripture of a, of a young man who came to Jesus who was earnest and eager and yet he felt what Jesus was asking of him was too much for him to give up and so he walked away sad from Jesus. He, he walked away, the rich young ruler. Well, you know, every day we're bombarded with voices, aren't we? They're competing for our attention and uh, wanting us to follow them. It's ironic that even social media has created this whole subculture based on the idea of, of followers and influencers, right? And, and we see that all these voices trying to get us to follow, to subscribe, to, to, to lean into what they're selling or teaching or, or, or proclaiming. You know, we have to decide what voice we're following. We have, we have right-leaning media. We have left-leaning media. We have grassroots media. And it can be confusing to know who to follow. It can be overwhelming to, to decide what voice to listen to, what voice to trust and believe to. When it comes to, to these voices, who's just trying to sell us something and who really has our best in mind? You know, there's a lot of voices that have conflicting messages. Eat this. Or don't eat that, right? You know, is, is dairy good for me or bad for me? I don't know. Can I eat butter or not eat butter, right? Margin's better. I, I don't know. It's so confusing sometimes, these conflicting messages. We have messaging about who we are or who we should want to be. Messages about uh, what we should want in life and out of life. We have messages about positivity, that you're amazing the way you are. Go you. Would you say that? Was it? Say, go me. Go me, right? Then we get all these other messages that you don't measure up. You don't have what it takes, right? And some of those, those voices that are conflicting in our hearts are not just outside voices, but sometimes they're inward voices, right? 
We hear those voices and we're trying to process them every day, even our own. So how do we train our ears to filter out the noise and at the same time fine-tune our hearing to the voices that we should be listening to and following? You know, how do we tune our ears to filter out all the voices uh, of this world and, and all of the noise and fine-tune our ears to the voice of God in our life? Well, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you turn with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 in your Bibles, if you have them with me on your phone. Uh, who charged your Bible up last night? You know, it's a funny day that we live in. John chapter 10. Last week we were in Mark 10. Today we are in John 10, looking at another follow me statement of Jesus. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You ever been talking to someone when they made a statement, and they said something about themselves or about you, and you're kind of wondering, like, was that kind of like shade they were throwing at me? Was that kind of backhanded, like... I'm not quite sure if I should be offended by what they said or not. You ever had kind of one of those moments where you're like, I don't know if they were dissing me or I don't know. I don't know how to take that. That's what's happening in this text. See, in this chapter where we find this passage, Jesus is talking to some of the Pharisees and religious leaders. And in verse 11, in the context of this text, he says to them, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Now, that doesn't seem very offensive. But what we got to realize is that this text is in the big picture following in chapter 9 linked to a broader conversation that Jesus is having with them. In chapter 9, Jesus has gone to the, the temple on the Sabbath day and he's healed a man who is born blind. And that's all good news. You'd be like, that was amazing. If someone was blind here today and they were healed, how do we know we'd be having a party, right? I would, we would just be celebrating what God has done. But in this day, they weren't celebrating. The religious leaders were actually looking at Jesus going, what are you doing? Why are you healing people on the Sabbath day? As though, you know, there's a right day and a wrong day for the Son of God to do the miraculous. But they were looking at the Sabbath going, this is the Sabbath day. We don't work on the Sabbath day. We don't do that. And Jesus is looking at them. I think he's like, you guys are crazy right now, right? And so we see this conversation continue. And, and in chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And it's kind of a little bit of a backhanded comment to them because as the religious leaders, he's kind of saying, if I'm the good shepherd, does that mean that you guys are not the, so, the not so good shepherds? Right? And, and there would have been like a little bit of history. They would have had a little bit of context to the statement. Uh, because when we look in Ezekiel 34, we know that God actually accused the religious leaders of being wicked shepherds. He accused them of being wicked shepherds in Ezekiel 34. And he identified them as wicked because that they were caring only about themselves at the expense of the flock. They were preying on the sheep rather than protecting them from predators. And they were, they were doing nothing for the sick or the injured. And so these, these leaders, they would have had really in mind, you know, God's rebuke of Ezekiel of what the wicked, wicked shepherds look like. And here we have Jesus kind of going, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And so there's a kind of like this interplay happening in between the lines of this text. So Jesus, in response to the rebukes for, for violating the Sabbath, he says, I am the good shepherd. 
In John chapter 10, verse 1, this is what he says. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So Jesus is describing this picture that's really familiar to his audience at this time. Now, I haven't seen a lot of sheep in the Okanagan. I think there's some, some mountain sheep that live up, Carmi, and I see them once in a while, but none of the big fluffy white ones anyways. But this would have been a familiar image to his listeners. There would have been any number of flocks surrounding their towns and villages. And uh, for convenience, these flocks would have been uh, herded into a common sheepfold at night. Just a simple enclosure uh, meant to keep the, the sheep contained, keep them from wandering in the night, and to keep them uh, safe from predators. And, and so in this sheepfold, it would have had one door uh, to push them all into. And at night, a, a doorkeeper would come and they would sit across that, that door. They would keep the sheep in and keep the predators out. And then in the morning, it says that a shepherd would arrive to lead his flock out into the pasture. Now, Jesus is making these statements about being the true shepherd. And we come to verse 19. It says, the people are still divided about what he's saying. Verse 19 says that people are listening to him, and there's, some of them are saying, this guy's crazy. Like, he just has these crazy analogies. He's just claiming to be, you know, someone who's not. This, and some of them go so far as, like, I think he might even be, like, demon-possessed. Maybe, maybe he's got something wrong upstairs. And, and, you know, maybe he's just saying these things, and he's crazy. But other people are saying, like, like this guy's making a lot of sense. Like, he doesn't seem like a crazy person. Right? He seems pretty lucid. He, he seems pretty thoughtful and clear about what he's saying. And so they actually come to the point of just asking them straight out, Jesus, are you claiming to be the Messiah? Are you claiming to be the sent one of God, the, the son of God? And he confirms it. He says, that is exactly what I'm saying. Jesus is the son of God. And so if Jesus is the son of God, what we infer to what he just says is this, that you are known by God. You are known by God, and God cares for you more than you know. I want you to know that this morning. Whether this is your first time at church or, it's, or you've been here every single week supporting us, you are known by God. God cares for you more than you know. It says that he calls his own sheep by name. He knows them intimately. Jesus knows you. He sees you and he loves you. Now, I don't know how you feel about being called a sheep. Maybe you think that's like cute and, and cuddly. Right? Maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of like squishy and, you know, kind of like a cute, cuddly sheep. Some of you are hairy. You got like the, the beard going. But this is what I think about sheep. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> I think when Jesus calls us sheep, he knows that sheep are pretty dumb. Sheep get themselves into all kinds of predicaments. They're always getting themselves in trouble. Like there's this viral clip I saw recently that was going around. Like check out this sheep getting himself into trouble. <laughs> Scripture with it said, me after Jesus saves me from my sin, right? 
Now, you might think that's a one-time event, but, but there's more clips. There's more clips than just that one. I just love how the farmer walks away. He's like, whatever, dude. Right? But there's more. Like, check this out. Like, this isn't just an isolated event. There's a, like... describe us. I think that's what Jesus was thinking when he said, you're my sheep, right? You guys are just always getting yourselves in awkward situations, and I'd bail you out, and you just go back to the same things that you know aren't good for you. But this is what the Bible says. Jesus knows you by name. That means that you can trust him today. Whatever he's going, whatever you're going through, God is with you, and he wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to hear his voice so that you can follow him. So how do we learn to hear his voice to filter out the noise and to fine-tune our ears to him? Well, verse 27 says it starts with obedience. It says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, we've got a lot of videos today. There's a lot of sheep videos on the internet. Now you, now you know how I spent half my week looking at YouTube <laughs> sheep videos. Check out how these sheep Follow the shepherd's voice. Now, in this video, you're going to see a number of people trying to call the sheep, but the sheep don't know their voice. So watch what happens when the shepherd calls them. Check it out. John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He's saying, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Obedience is one of the biggest parts of being a follower of Jesus. Not just blind obedience. It's not just like 
they do it because I said so kind of obedience. Jesus has this relationship with us where we trust him and we learn to do things God's way because we understand that he has our best in mind. How many know that the kingdom of God operates on the principles of God? Whenever we come to the kingdom of God, we see that, that Jesus operates within principles that he establishes. And, and one of the principles is that doing things God way, God's way always results in God's blessing. To put it differently, I would say godly instruction followed by obedient action is always followed by blessing. Let me say that again. Godly instruction followed by obedient action always is followed by blessing. If you want to know how to be blessed, you got to be obedient to the things and to the voice of God. Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching, and, and uh, he's talking about the death, resurrection, and new life found in Jesus Christ. And it says that many believed the message that Peter was proclaiming. They wanted to know, what should we do next? In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sin and be turned to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is a promise to you, to your children, to all who are, follow, are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Peter's saying, what do we do? We, we listen to the voice of God, and, and then we turn to him in obedience. We repent, and we turn to God. We are baptized, and then we are walking in the blessing of God. He says, do this, and you will receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this. He said, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. I don't know if you meant 100 sermons that you preached or 100 sermons that you listened to, but how many know you can listen to 100 sermons this year and if you don't have any acts of obedience, they're all useless, right? But when we come to the word of God, we allow God to convict us and to challenge us and we respond in obedience, God has a path of blessing in our life. This morning, what one act of obedience might God be stirring in your heart? What one act of obedience this morning can make a huge difference or a breakthrough in your life. You know, there's so many voices in this world trying to draw us in so many different directions, aren't there? And we need to learn to hear God's word and make a decision to follow it with obedient action. You know, we can be easily persuaded to act out of how we feel in the moment. I mean, in the moment, how I feel is often the thing that I want to respond to, right? Or when I'm in circumstances, I, I want to do the logical thing or I want to be reactive to what's happening around me, but I need to train myself to hear the voice of God in that moment and say, God, what are you speaking to me? Now, the, the hearing God's voice is developing a lifestyle of time spent with God. Uh, the key to hearing God's voice is, is developing that time where you're in God's word and, and you're in prayer. And, and out of that, you're coming to this place of obedience. This is a, a principle I've discovered is that if you struggle to obey the smaller things in life, you're going to struggle to obey the bigger things. Often we come to God and we're like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, where should I go to university? Who should I marry? What are the, what are the unrevealed things that, that I'm looking to you for answers on, right? And God sometimes is saying, you want the answers to the unrevealed things, but 95% of my, life, my will for you is already revealed through Scripture. These are, you want answers to what you consider the big things, and God is saying, how will we start with the small things? 
Like take, for instance, 1 Thessalonians 5. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. How many know we're like, oh, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And he's like, I just want you to be thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances. How do we do this? How do we develop a lifestyle of obedience? Well, it starts with cultivating thankfulness in our life. That means that I don't cultivate grumbling or complaining or cynicism. I'm thankful for who God is and thankful for his strength that he's going to help me get through whatever it is that I'm going through. And so I'm responding to the word of God in this small area so that I can be faithful to respond to God in bigger areas. I mean, this week we're all going to have lots of opportunities to intentionally take steps of obedience. We are. We're all going to have opportunities to intentionally take steps of obedience in lots of little ways and, and maybe in some big ones. We can intentionally cultivate this lifestyle of time spent listening and responding to God. How many know that's not just a few elite professional people who hear from God? I remember one time, Holly, she used to work at the, at the mall, and, and uh, she was just talking to one of her coworkers about, you know, like, I just felt God saying something to me. And this lady's like, oh, you're so special that God speaks to you. Right? Holly's like, no, actually. She's like, I believe God speaks to, she's like, I pastor a whole group of youth at that time. And she's like, God speaks to them, and God speaks to the people at my, God speaks to, to all of us. We just have to learn to tune in his voice. It's not just the professionals or the elite or the pastors or the board who hear from God. The Bible says, my sheep listen to my voice. All of them. I know them, and they follow me. Well, as we look at this passage, there's another observation that we see here is that there's other voices who are deliberately trying to bring confusion and chaos to our lives. We see that there's opposition to the things of God in our life. In John 10.10, 10, it says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's where he says the statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Scripture is clear that there's a thief. Otherwise, we call the enemy of our soul. And he wants nothing more than to destroy what God intends for you. How many thank God that there is a good shepherd who watches over you, Jesus Christ? And in the opposition, when these opposing voices are trying to uh, dis dissuade us and discourage us from pursuing this relationship, with God, and yet we have this incredible love. It says that the good shepherd would sacrifice his life for his sheep, and we know that Jesus doesn't just say that, but he actually goes on to do that for us out of his incredible love. The devil's plans are always formulated to dissuade us from pursuing the ways of God. That's been the story uh, through all of human history. You know, we see the cycle repeated time and time again from the Garden of Eden all the way through the Old Testament. We see in the story of Israel that, that God is saying to them, when you follow me, you'll be blessed. When you do things my way, I want to bless you. And God actually intended that to be a sign or to be a showcase to the other nations of the world about how he wanted to invite them also to be in relationship uh, with him. But we see that Israel was continually in an on-again, off-again relationship with God. God said, follow me, obey me, and it'll go well for you. You'll walk in my blessing, but turn from me, and you'll be outside of my blessing. We see this in the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. This takes place in a time where Israel is on an off-again uh, um, relationship with Jesus. 
or with God. Judges 6 uh, says this, So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israel cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites, and he said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery into Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove, you, I drove your enemies out and gave you their land. And I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. And so this is the consequence of the, that they find themselves in. But, but we see that they turn to God again and, and God appears to them and, and he appears to Gideon who's hiding and living in fear. And, and it says that in verse 12 that God approaches Gideon and he says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites because I am sending you. But Gideon hears another voice. Another voice inside his head, and it says in verse 11, uh, 15, Gideon's response is, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've been confronted with life's difficulties and circumstances, and because of it, the fear and the anxiety and the worry and the insecurity have us hiding, like Gideon's hiding in this place. And, and, and it's not only just affected him outwardly, but inwardly, it's shaping his identity. He says, I'm the least of the weakest, right? Like, I know what you're saying, God, but when I talk to, I know what your voice is saying, but my voice is saying something different. Uh, you're saying I'm a mighty hero called to deliver Israel, and my voice is saying I'm the least of the weakest. The anxiety and the insecurity is speaking louder. And it says, the Lord said to him, I'll be with you. And he'll destroy the Midianites as if he were fighting against one man. Now, Gideon isn't a stellar example of following God obediently. But he's a real example of following God. How many know that Bible is not just full of stellar, like, you know, A, a plus, gold star people, right? They're real people. It says that Gideon proceeds to be like, all right, God, but let me kind of test the waters, right? Like, kind of prove it to me. Let's take baby steps. And he, he says, well, if you want me to do it, like, prove it to me over here. And then, do you want me to do it? Prove it to me. How many ever approached God? You're kind of like, God, can you just give me a sign? Let's kind of walk this out. Baby steps before he's all in. But he becomes fully convinced that God is with him. And he fully commits in that moment to God's plan. How can you know if it's God speaking to you? How can you know? Well, I thought of four things this morning. And the first one is this, is that God won't contradict his word. How do we know if it's, you know, we get those impressions in our heart. You know, sometimes people say to us, I think God has a word for you or, or whatever. We're trying to discern, is this God speaking? God will never contradict his word. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We got to know what the word of God says. In uh, 2 Timothy, it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 95% of what God wants you to know about his will for your life is recorded in scripture. I really believe that. 
The principles and the guiding truths are there. And when we know God's word, that's what we need to, to navigate the other 5%, which are the things that we usually obsess about knowing, right? What does God want me to go and do and how? Start with what God has already written down and let that shape you. Because here's number two, the will of God always corresponds to the ways of God. The will of God always corresponds to the ways of God. You know, when we come to thinking about, would God want me to do this? we got to say, does this sound like God as I know him revealed in Scripture? It can become confusing because even in this day that we live in, people will try to tell us what they think God is like. How do we know that God is loving and God loves people and so God would want us to love everyone and then they try to tell us what that looks like, right? They try to tell us that loving everyone means accepting what everyone does. And they'll say, that's what Jesus would do. And as I look in scripture, I go, you don't know Jesus the way I do. Because that's not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus confronts us in our sin. Jesus confronts us when we're wrong, when we're far from him. His love doesn't condone everything we do. This week, we, or a couple of weeks ago, we tried to, we had this bill that was reoccurring and we wanted to cancel the bill. And so Andrea, our administrator, she called the company and she was talking to the salesman and how many know that they would not let her cancel her bill? The audacity, they're like, you can't cancel this bill. And you're like, well, I'm canceling it right now. And they're like, well, we won't let you. And she kind of got asked, she said, what do you mean you won't let me? She's like, I want to talk to your manager. You know what the salesperson said to her? She said, I thought you were a church. Right? What has that got to do with anything? How can you be upset with me and your salesman for not letting you cancel? They tried to put that on her. I thought you were in church. You can't cancel your bill because I don't know what their logic was here. The will of God always corresponds to the ways of God. And God sometimes will let you cancel your bill. So don't let other people tell you otherwise. Number three, God guides us by his Holy Spirit. John 16 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The first thing the spirit does is he reminds you of what you've seen and heard in scripture. That's the first way he speaks to us. And then the second way is he uses our conscience and our conviction to guide and to lead us. And so we, we take the word of God and we take the conviction of God and we say, God, would you lead me and guide me? And fourthly, God encourages us by other spirit-filled believers who help us hear and discern the word of the Lord for our lives. Uh, I love this story. A few years ago, uh, Holly and I have a friend named Mike, and, and Mike uh, owned a, a, um, a landscaping company. And uh, at his landscaping company, they have all the equipment, and one day one of his leaf blowers got uh, stolen. Now, it wasn't just a leaf blower like you and I have. It's like one of those big backpack, heavy industrial ones and uh, worth uh, uh, quite a bit of money. And, and it was stolen from his business. And Mike shared with us how angry he was about it. It was eating him up. Like all week he just felt, have you ever been robbed? He's just kind of, I felt violated and I just can't get this out of my mind and my thoughts and my emotions. And he's just like, this is just gnawing at me. I can't stop thinking about it. So he he shared this with his dad and his dad uh, reminded him, Mike, you need to forgive this guy. You you need to, to let it go and pray blessing on him. You know, sometimes we need other believers to come alongside of us and just, you know, kind of help us have some perspective. And, and so Mike, he thought about it and he prayed about it. And he said, yeah, you know what? My dad's right. And so he said, I left it with God. I let go of it. And he said, I actually prayed blessing over whoever would steal this thing from me. 
He did all that he could do. He reported it, all of that. But at the end of the day, he just said, I got to let this go. And then Mike talked to us about how the blessing of God showed up in his life. Because the day after he did that, one of his customers called him over. He's out cutting the grass. He said, Mike, come on over to my garage. And Mike went to his garage. And this customer said, hey, I bought this leaf blower like a while ago. And now that you're here, I don't really use it anymore. And I was wondering if you could use it because it's just taking up space in my garage. And it was the exact same model of the one that was stolen but newer. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how God sometimes works out blessing in that way? But the story gets even better because wanting to encourage people about God's faithfulness and goodness, Mike posted this story on his Facebook and kind of said, hey, this is what happened and this is how God freed me of my bitterness and my frustration and this is how God blessed me. And, and the story gets even better because some random stranger somehow came across Mike's post and this man reached out to Mike and said, I was so inspired by what I saw you write. He said, I recently began a relationship with Jesus. And it's been bugging me because a number of uh, years ago, I actually did the same thing. I stole a leaf blower from someone else's land landscaping business. I, I don't know why leaf blowers are the thing. I don't know. <laughs> he said, but it's been eating me up inside. And, and, and I just, I just want to make things right with God. And I just want to be repentant of what I'm doing. And so he's like, I was wondering, can I give you the leaf blower that I stole those years ago? And so now Mike's got two leaf blowers, and, and he's released from the, the frustration he had. And this other man, randomly, that God would speak to through Mike's testimony is being blessed as well. This is what I want you to know today. Obedience is our responsibility, but the results are up to God. Today as we come, we say, God, where are you leading me? How are you leading me? What are you speaking over my life? Obedience and response is our responsibility, but the results are up to God. God spoke to Mike through his dad, and as a result, all the way down, blessing came to other people. I want your families to be blessed, your children to be blessed, your grandchildren to be blessed. Some of you have grandchildren that you don't even know about yet. They're not even born yet. How many know they're going to be blessed because you responded to the leading and the voice of God in your life? My sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. I'm going to invite you to stand all across this room. And as you do, I would just want to ask you today, maybe you're here and I just want to create a moment to pause. Maybe you focus better with your eyes closed or you just kind of want to just, whatever it is that helps you focus. I just want to listen to the voice of God for a moment and ask you this question, what might God be speaking to your life? Who is it or what is it that God is asking you to forgive or to let go of? What circumstance or situation might God be saying, you need to think a little differently about this? How might God be speaking over your family? What might God be stirring in your heart to do as an action step or a faith step in something that you've been journeying with him about? How might God be using your life to inspire someone else in their relationship with him? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Jer, I not really I don't go to church very often, or maybe you do, but You've been coming for a while, you would say, you know what, I just don't ever feel like I hear the voice of God for myself. Sometimes we make it a lot harder than we think. We are looking for a miraculous moment or the heavens to part. 
It begins with being in God's word. That's where God says, start here. But out of that comes that still small voice, just that sense. We often think it sounds like us because the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in us and dwells us and speaks to us. It's often it sounds like us. But it's the voice of God. And so if you're here and you're like, I want to learn to hear the voice of God for my life. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Joe, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand so I can see you and pray with you. You're like, yeah, I want to learn to hear and respond to the voice of God. Yeah, thank you. Out the back, all across the front. Amen. Praise God. All over this place. I really believe that's a prayer that God wants to answer this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Jer, I, I, I know the voice of God and I know that God's calling me to respond in ways I've been hesitant to for whatever reason. You say, I, I know today that God is just saying that I need to respond to some things God's already put on my heart and mind to do and I just need faith and help and courage to do that. Would you raise your hand so I could pray with you today as well, anyone? It's a bold prayer, yeah. It's a bold prayer for sure, yes. Amen. Praise God. Thank you to everyone who raised your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for my friends. I just thank you, Jesus, that this isn't a heavy condemning word. This is just the voice of our loving shepherd saying, my sheep hear my voice. I know them by name and I call them and they follow me. God, we trust you today that you're a loving God, a loving shepherd. We want to follow you today. God, wherever you would lead us because we know that that's the path to blessing. Some of us have been like those sheep in the videos, continuously getting ourselves caught up in trouble, going back to the things that we know aren't good for us. God, I pray today that you would help us to break free from that pattern and follow your voice to where you're leading. God, some of us need breakthroughs for our lives or for the, 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 the generation of family that's following us. God, I pray that we would start it today by responding to you and following you. For some of us here, we've, we've never followed you, God. We've never really considered, uh, God, that you would want to lead our lives or that we would want to follow you. But today, we're sensing in our heart that something needs to change in our life and that we feel your Holy Spirit prompting us to begin that journey with you. Give us the courage to begin that journey, we pray, by, by letting you lead our lives and following you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just declare that one more time? All my life, God's been faithful. And uh, as we do, we're going to 